Welcome to Forging the Body of the Witch, a podcast about sorcery, magic, manifestation, and all those things that we use to make our lives better. I'm your host, Chris Dambala. Now let's get started. Hi, and welcome back to yet another episode of Forging the Body of the Witch. Today, I'm going to be talking about uh, a blog I wrote. It was originally an email that went out to my subscribers, but I just repurposed it as a blog. It's called Witch King Aesthetics. Um, I'm going to describe, uh, if if you've uh, received that email or you've read the blog, um, this will be useful to you. If you haven't, I'll link it in the show notes. Um, But what I wanted to do is explain a little bit more about how I'm treating the archetype of the Witch King and why it's practically useful. And then I'm actually going to talk about a few things relating to the training methods that I described or the training standards. Um, There's a good chance if you situate yourself in sort of spiritual or occult circles that you probably have a bit of um, resistance to this idea. If you don't, um, that's good. Um, but if you, if you do, I, I'd like you to sort of bear with me um, while I explain what I'm talking about. I'll read a little bit from the blog so you know what I'm saying, but I'll also talk a little bit further about it. Um, the reason I wanted to talk about a little bit of the training is there is a little bit of an assumption, and I'm a little bit guilty of this because Um, I generally talk to people who are into strength and conditioning. Sometimes there's a bit of an assumption that people will know a little bit more about what I'm speaking about. And obviously there's a limitation with the blog and how much you can go into. Um, So hopefully I'll be able to give you a little bit more information here. Because first and foremost, I want to give you things that will be practically practically useful to you. Um, I'll read the first bit of it. and then I, just so I can place it in context. Um, so Witch King Aesthetics, this is on my blog. Uh, there is a power in using archetypal imagery for personal, tr- personal transformation. In a mundane sense, they can be utilised to concretize an aspiration or remind us of our greater objectives. In a more esoteric sense, they can have the potential to create powerful effects that can transform your life and your body. For magically inclined men, I'll deal with witch queens separately, wanting to embody the essence of male beauty. I suggest to you the notional witch king. In modern times, this icon has been wonderfully represented by artist and hereditary witch Jeff Cohen, amongst others. However, the origins are far more ancient. The witch king is more accurately a representative of Dionysus in his chthonic mode, to which J. Stratton Kent has written. He incarnates not the misleadingly languid and languid and feminine Dionysus, but the lord of the panther, the bull, the snake and fire. The archetypal witch king is physically emblematic of a primal masculine aesthetic. The physical characteristics he manifests are suggestive of power, beauty and athleticism. If that image speaks to you and it should be unique to you, you have access to a source of power that you can actualize. Now, this is an idea that I'm laying forward. Obviously, there's an emphasis on the physical component. This is important, and I'll explain why in a moment. Um, but I'm talking about, I mean, the notion of primal patterns. With uh, um, Possibly I'm playing fast and loose with it. I don't, you, know, you might think that. Um, but I believe that there is this sense of, of the Dionysian, uh, that Catholic 
Dionysus that Jack Stratton Kent describes. He, he's talking that in relation to um, uh, where does he write about that in uh, Fremost with the Goetic spirit, which he's linking to um, Kimbanda, but he's talking about a particular family of spirits. But there is this. Um, if that image does speak to you, you have that in you. I, I feel like as men, we all do. Um, and I, it, it's a much broader, longer discussion, but our archetypes are not just within us. I believe they're outside of us as well. Um, there's a, a harmonic component between us and the greater version. And if that resonates with you, you have access to it. Um, and if you have a vision of what that should be. The reason I think this is important beyond, and I can understand why some people might think that's superficial, it's not, is that the the greater importance of it is a reconnecting men with their physicality, with their natural virility, and also with their potential for magic and ecstasy. So it's a different kind of... I think that image of masculinity has slightly been ignored um like when we yeah obviously i didn't want make make this be um a discussion on appropriateness of masculinity but like you you see this in a lot of um I i think this idea is quite well represented in a lot of like spiritual women's movements in like um where they have this notion of the women reclaiming their their wildness and it's gotten neglected in men. Now, before you think this is a patriarchal thing, just remember that Dionysus um, was railed against the patriarchy. Um, this is a, he was mostly a subversive figure. But as the as the the way this embodiment has um, come about, and I would refer you to uh, some of Jeff Cullen's work, and I think his partner Alan Spears attend the Sabbath. Um, they've done some wonderful artwork with these representations of like um, muscular, virile, magical figures, which we need to connect with. Um, if this calls to you, um, the way that I suggested that you should work on, I, I think if it calls to you rather than drawing a picture of it or writing a story or like just... Um, doing any ritual the ritual work's important i think there's a a magical way to approach this but if you are called to embody it you have to do the physical work that goes along with it i suggested the way that you should approach this is uh in i I borrowed the terms from um libra chaos as a, a neophyte level an initiate level the adept and then the witch king so depending on where you are. And I give a list of strength standards that you'd uh, be able to um, accomplish if you wanted to embody that kind of physical ideal. Uh, so the physical ideal is obviously, you know, uh, someone who is... Well, actually, I'll read you from it. You know, where I said, if you want to pursue the physical ideal for yourself, there are certainly magical and devotional things you can do. But let me suggest the physical work that is required to reach which king status. These are strength and conditioning standards that draw a straight line towards a classic athletic male physique. That is to say, there is a direct correlation between these performance standards and the type of aesthetic being discussed. Magically speaking and practically speaking, your first thing you should really be doing is trying to get a clear vision of what that is for yourself. Um, 
and then pursue the physical stuff afterwards. That's why if, if you were to do this in a magical uh, context, you would have particular practices for each one. For instance, the first one, you would need to meditate on your vision for the Witch King in, in terms of being in the neophyte. You would perform works to empower and inspire yourself and strengthen yourself to achieve those goals. To be in a strictly magical sense, by the time you got to Adept and Witch King, the, the work you should be doing at that point once you've attained the ideal is actually towards teaching and inspiring others because that is your role. So I, I think this is one of the important parts of accepting an archetypal role is that some part it not only reconnects you with um, nature and your nature, but also with community and there has to be some notion of you also giving back and contributing. You have to complete the cycle. Um, so if you become something, you need to return the favour. So the five bench part mark challenges they talk about, and the, this is one of the main reasons I wanted to actually do this uh, quick podcast was I wanted to explain the movements um, and also talk you through how you might progress those uh, so you can actually reach those goals. Um, so what I'm saying is if, if you're the, the exercises that I'm about to mention, if you're able to hit the, hit the upper limit with these, there is no debate that you will have an incredibly muscular, lean and athletic physique. Um, so that's not something you can debate. This is um, you just have to do the work. Um, so the five benchmark challenges are the front squat, the standing overhead press, a chin-up, a 400-metre sprint and a three-minute burpee test. It's not just a matter of doing them. Um, I'll give you the, the things that you need to hit each one. And as I mentioned in the blog, wherever you are is wherever you are. So there's no judgment. Um, like if you, you <laughs> no one's brilliant at things the first time they go in. Well, some uh, genetic freaks are. But whatever your your current status is, is where you are. You know, if you can't perform any of these movements yet, well, that's, you know, you're on the road to neophyte. So neophyte is basically if you can't uh, up to a particular standard or not being able to do them yet. So it's you being on your journey. So I'll read you the different standards and then I'll I'll talk through the priority and how you progress those. So bearing in mind, this is me explaining to you, if you, if you want to do this, these are the things you need to get good at. Um, I'll, I'll, let, let me explain them first. All right. So first three movements are a front squat, um, standing overhead press and a chin-up. So the way that I've ranked them, neophyte, is everything's referenced in the strength movements, everything's referenced against your body weight. In strength and conditioning terms, this is called functional hypertrophy um, or acquiring functional strength. So it's the, the leanest, most muscular athletes on the planet all have high levels of uh, strength relative to their body weight. So gymnasts, high-level dancers, uh, sprinters, these are all at the pinnacle of that. And the side effect is they end up developing very lean, uh, symmetrical physiques. Um, so the neophyte level is your body weight times, this is in front squat, uh, times 1.1 or less times five to six reps. 
So that's, if you were to weigh 100 kilo, I'm Australian, so we do things metrically, uh, it's times 2.2 if you're a American, is um, it would be on the bar 110 kilos times five to six reps. Uh, if you can't do that yet, or then that's fine, then you're just at that level. Uh, initiate level is your body weight times 1.2 times five to six reps. Adept is your body weight times 1.3. And Witch King is your body weight times 1.4 or more um, for uh, five to six reps. Let me give you the ratios for each first and then I'll talk about possible exercise, why I chose these exercises and possible substitutions. So, and then I'll deal with the conditioning stuff separately. So for your standing overhead press, it's your neophyte level is your body weight times 0.6 so in this instance if you to use a 100 kilo example again it would be 60 kilo on the bar or less times five to six reps initiate level would be 0.7 and the rep range is still five to six adept is uh your body weight times 0.8 and witch king is 0.9 or above um uh, times five to six reps with the neophyte level for chin-ups, so chin-ups are hands facing you, um, it's your body weight or less times five to six reps. So if you can't perform a single chin-up yet or you can only form, perform a handful, that's where you are. Um, you could potentially progress chin-ups in repetitions, but beyond a certain point, once you can do 15 chin-ups, you sort of reach a point of diminishing returns. Um, so you need to add weight. Um, but for the sake of this and to keep it uh, symmetrical and give you targets to aim for, initiate level would be your body weight plus 0.2 uh, to 0.3. So if you're 100 kilo, that means you've got 20 kilo to 30 kilo around your waist times five to six reps. The adept is 0.4 and the witch king is 0.5. So half your body weight and over by five to six reps. So let me just talk about the strength work first why those movements, why those ratios. Um, I'll give you some exercises to do and a way to do this uh, in a second. But if you get stronger, like on those, relative to your body weight, on those three movements, they will turn you into one formidable looking human being. Um, it's... The, there's a million ways to train, but if you get stronger for reps relative to your body weight, you will always put on muscle and you will, um, and particularly if you do it with sort of more athletic movements, you'll put it in the right space. Now, spot. Now, the reason I chose a front squat is largely because there's some sprinting in, uh, in this program as well. So you're going to be hitting an awful lot of uh, your glutes and hamstrings anyway. Front squats are better. They challenge your mobility, your mobility and core a lot more. And they also, because you won't be able to front squat as much as you can back squat, they'll also reduce the spinal loading. And I, I mean, I like back squats as well, don't get me wrong. But the only issue I have with back squats is if you've got a lot of stress in your life or you've got a lot of other performance standards that you're chasing, the compression on your spine is actually quite um, stressing to your central nervous system and it can impact recovery. It's not to say you shouldn't do them. Um, if your body's more suited to squatting, like back squatting, by all means do those, but the, the 
strength standards will change a little bit. Um, with the front squat, you could also substitute a goblet squat, if that, which is usually with like a dumbbell or a kettlebell. Um, the only issue is once you get up to the higher weights, it's quite difficult to hold that much weight in space, which can actually be a good thing because it does develop you, your upper body and your core more as well. Um, but if you're hitting those strength standards, you'll be quite strong. You'll be strong through the core, and but you'll also be quite strong through the hips and um, uh, your quads as well. Uh, I also feel like, so for me personally, because I have slightly longer femurs just relative to my legs, um, I would elevate my heels slightly on these. Um, and then once you hit those higher ends, you can start to play around with some other foot positioning as well. Um, if you want to prejudice different areas of your body. Um, with a standing overhead press rather than a bench press or an incline press, if you get strong at the standing overhead press, you'll build up your upper chest anyway. Uh, particularly your upper chest is primarily made up of fast twitch fibers. So if you're doing them in that heavy weight, you'll definitely hit them. And that looks far more aesthetically pleasing than uh, the overdeveloped um, lower pecs. Um, but building up the overhead press tends to, particularly with a challenging weight, will build up your shoulders, your entire shoulder girdle and your triceps as well. It's also extremely challenging on the core once you hit heavier weights. Um, now, I'll talk a little bit if you're... The, the ideal way to do it would be with an Olympic bar or you know barbell. Um, if it happens that your shoulder mobility won't allow that, or for some reason you can't do it, then obviously dumbbells could be substituted and uh, machine press would be my least favourite option. Uh, it's not to say you can't do them, but you should be looking at progressing these. So if you do it, the, the rate ratios wouldn't change. Uh, with the standing overhead press, you obviously just have to divide by two because you've got the dumbbells in... Uh, you've got one dumbbell in either hand rather than the weight dispersed across the whole bar. So, for example in the neophyte level rather than it being 0.6 you would have 0.3 per hand so 30 kilo per hand over your head if you're 100 kilo um this is all, like i say this is all relative to your body weight what generally happens and i'll just make this point is as you start to get fitter and stronger your body weight drops as well so if you're losing body fat uh and gaining muscle so if your scale weight's going down um and your strength is going up obviously this is a great thing because it means you're gaining muscle and losing fat this is why I always reference use body weight as my primary reference point. If you're ever involved with me coaching, uh, you'll know that I'm massive on relative strength. It guarantees that you. So there's no there's no speculation. We don't hope for these things. We just pursue our performance standards and we get better. Um, now, clearly, if you had some other uh, movement or mobility issues, we'd have to address those first. But like this, I can't address all of those things in um, this kind of podcast. If you're interested in that sort of thing, uh, maybe just contact me and we can have a chat. Um, but yeah, there's obviously other things that we might have to look at if you're struggling to get into those positions. Um, with chin-ups, hands facing you is like a healthier position generally for the shoulders. Uh, surprisingly, a lot of adult males can't do chin-ups. Every adult male should be able to do chin-ups eventually. You just have to work at them. Um, so um, clearly, if you can already do them, then the progression for you should just be towards 
getting stronger and I'll give you examples of how to do that in a moment. Um, but if you can't do a single chin up, then the first option would be to use tire band to, if you Google or put in YouTube, uh, banded assisted chin ups, uh, you can use bands to assist you, which will take a little bit of weight off. I'm a bit opposed to those uh, machines you see in gyms, which have the uh, the weight component uh, where you basically kneel on them only because they it's not an ideal position with your knees that way to actually be performing a chin-up. But if um, if you have to, that's not the worst thing you could do. The other thing you could do is um, start doing negative assisted chin-ups, which are basically either get someone to boost you up into the top position uh, so your chin is above the bar and then slowly lower yourself um, and do that for the number of reps and then just try and increase the reps. So it essentially you'll get stronger by just doing the, the negative or the lowering position anyway, um, but it'll at least show your body what it needs to do and then you can start retesting every week um the the mainish thing i would also suggest with chin up, just as a technique thing is when you're doing so a chin up to do these properly it should be dead hang so you're at full extension and you with pulling yourself to your chin over the bar um if you're struggling to engage your arms one thing to think about is just um pushing your elbows to the floor elbows to the floor is always a good thing to think about and that will help engage your back a little bit better. Um, now, progression um, and how to train these. There's a million ways to train this. Um, uh, so just quickly, if that position, the hands facing you does bother you, you can always move to a hands parallel where they're both, that that's sometimes a little bit easier on the shoulders for some people. Pull-ups are great as well, but which is the hands-facing way, but they are more difficult. And if you've got shoulder mobility issues, sometimes they can exacerbate those. So um, chin-ups are my preferred option. But yeah, by the time, if you're doing um, your body weight times 0.5 for five to six reps, you'll have very little fat on your body and you'll have a decent set of arms, back and shoulders. Um, that just So those performance standards come with that. All of this comes with the caveat that you're performing the movements properly um, because I don't, one, I don't want you to get hurt or injured, but also you don't want to build strength on top of dysfunction. So make sure you're moving properly and then progress. Um, now, how to train those things. Um, it's not always a linear thing and you might find already that like in some of those levels that you're... Um, they, they won't all be uniform. So, for example, it, I mean, if you're new to training, they probably are. Um, but it might you might find if you've been training for a little while that maybe you're quite advanced in one area but not so much in others. Um, but, like, bringing them all up together just means that you'll be a, have a more balanced body. Um, but let's look at, so, for example, there's heaps of ways to do this. Um, like, principles a few, methods are many. Um there's like I, I like um, the dense strength method, which was um, largely designed and popularised by uh, an Australian strength and conditioning coach called Keegan Smith, who used to train the Sydney Roosters. So this, that's who I learned this from. Um, 
So I'll tell you how to do that just because it's super time efficient way to train. Obviously, there's other ways you could do this as well. But let's imagine that you have, and just so you know, like you could easily do all of this work within three workouts a week. Uh, and that includes the conditioning stuff as well while developing other things. This isn't to say that you would only perform these movements. I'm not advising that, but 90% of your development will come from getting way stronger in these and that will translate to other things as well. So I'll, I'll describe a quick version of the dense strength method that you can use straight away because it's if you understand it, it's pretty easy. There's developments of it which can be sort of prejudiced towards more strength, more hypertrophy or fat loss, um, but essentially what it is is uh, in, in the most basic form is performing an exercise on the minute. So you set a timer for a particular amount of time. We're, here we're going to look at getting stronger on a movement. So let's imagine that you've tested your overhead press um, and it is whatever it is and you are at whatever strength level. Now you're going to work to progress this um, by performing three reps every minute on the minute for five minutes. You could also do it for 10. If you do it for 10, you'll get more of a hypertrophy response. But because you need to, um, we're looking at getting stronger on this movement. Um, so you want to have a challenging weight. Usually you'll select a weight you could probably do for about five or six reps. And then what you try and do is you try and do three reps on the minute um, every minute. So you start the clock. Uh, so, um, and then... At the one minute mark, perform three reps. It should be nowhere near fatigue. And you should be able, if you can hit all three reps for all five minutes, the following session you increase the weight marginally um, because we're looking more at strength here. Um, we're just going to progress through weight. You can also project progress through reps. Next week you put it up. If it happens that you miss, if you do like, so for example, three reps, three reps, three and the last one you hit two, you don't progress. So you do that um, and so the idea being that you progress. Um, so you're getting what multiple exposure to a heavier rep, uh, weight. Um, at about the four-week mark, I would retest um, to see what your strength increases are. It's actually a very quick and easy way to get stronger um, because every single session, so every session you have, um, so, for example, if uh, 60 kilo is your overhead press, start the timer, three reps, you rest however long it takes to get back to a minute. So that might be uh, <coughs> uh, 50 to 45 seconds. So that's how long a break you get. Hit another three reps, do it again, do it again, do it again. If you get them all, next session, the weight goes up. Do it again, you get them all, weight goes up. So you always have a number of reps. Uh, you have a, a time limit and you have a number of reps to, to hit. Um, so everything is accounted for in that particular session. You can do a similar thing with chin-ups and front squats. Um, so the, the method, the, which is five by three that I've just described, uh, will allow you to get stronger quicker. Uh, well, it will allow you to develop a good balance of strength and hypertrophy, I should say. Um, without over fatiguing you. So that's the thing that we're looking at. You could perform that workout either once or twice a week um, on that body part. Uh, if you're able to recover at twice a week, um, 
then by all means do it as long as you're progressing. So you should be looking at progressing every single session. If you hit, like I say, if it doesn't, if you don't hit all 15 reps in that five minute period, then obviously you stick with the weight um, until you can get them. But it means that you never go into the gym without a target. You always have something to aim for. You should always be looking for progression. Progression is king. So it doesn't matter how you get it, if you can progress. That's just one of a billion different ways you could apply strength and conditioning, but that's something easy that you can do straight away. The only difference I would suggest with chin-ups is if you're um, obviously not strong enough to do weighted chin-ups, then you could do that at a lower rep range. So you could do like five by one or and then progress with repetition so you do um so for example if you're if you're not can't perform many chin-ups yet you can't hit five or six you maybe you just perform one chin-up every minute on the minute and then if you get them all next it's two and then it's three and then eventually you can do five um so this is a good way to get stronger at chin-ups and then you would drop back down to like one or two reps, but this time you would add weight. This is actually a really good way to get a lot stronger at chin-ups very quickly. You can use it for a lot of movements, but um, these are really good. Assuming that you're performing uh, the overhead press and the chin-up in the same workout, that's basically 10 minutes of work. Uh, If that was a workout um, for me, I would then just perform some assistance work um so maybe i'll just give you some if it was more of a hypertrophy sort of thing which by which i mean muscle gain you could just do some higher you know sort of um not high high but maybe somewhere in that sort of 10 to 12 rep range for your upper back and delts um a good a nice thing to do for example would be you might do three or four sets of uh uh either bent over row or cable row for your upper back uh supersetted with something like uh, a lateral raise, which will blow up your upper back and your traps, and then you could proceed to just some arm work. You don't need to track these things so much. If you're getting stronger at chin-ups and overhead press, you'll get stronger at everything else as well. Um, now, if you have questions about any of this, by all means, uh, shoot me a message. Um, with the 400-meter sprint, so for, why the 400-meter sprint? 400-meter sprint is sometimes described as hell on earth. Um, it's just that balance between raw sprinting and aerobic you know and it's just a lactic acid hell um so once you hit that 200 meter mark it's just horrible uh so you're basically all your fast twitch fibers start to drop out and you can just really feel that so the last 200 meters is going to be terrible don't let me discourage you, but if you get better at that, you'll generally be a lot better at most endurance things and it also build the training involved will build up a fair bit of speed. I'll give you the different levels. So the neophyte is anything over a minute 30. So you'll need to go to a track and time yourself. Um, in terms of priority, just saying this before we move into the conditioning, um, the strength work should take priority over everything else. So if you're wondering where to start and you're a bit nervous about doing the other things do the strength work get stronger first and it will take care of a lot of particularly if you're new to the gym um or or train or haven't trained for a while building up that strength will give you a bit of confidence in yourself again um and also if you can if you're eating correctly your um, body composition should start to correct as well so we'll get leaner uh, now, bearing in mind, all of this is basically me giving you um, 
a roadmap to having a pretty elite physique if you can do all of these things at the high level. So Neophyte is anything over a minute 30. So if it takes you longer than 90 seconds to run around a a 400-metre track, um, you're at a Neophyte level. Initiate is a minute 15 to a minute 30. Adept is a minute to 115. And the Witch King is anything under 60 seconds and under. Anything around that. Keep in mind, these aren't like elite track times, but these are for people who are doing other strength and conditioning stuff as well. So if you can do that, you'll be quite formidable. I mean, you'll have a great level of conditioning. I'm going to give you a secret to progress this um, because a lot of people think, oh, do I just have to go to the track and keep running 400 metres? First off, you need a time. Um, So get your time. Uh, Whatever it is, is whatever it is. Uh, Divide that time by four. So for argument's sake, if it did take you... Um, two minutes. So say you were, you know, really super neophyte. You, you, you know, you haven't really run for ages, a bit slow around the track. And also this is easier for me to divide up. That means every 100 metres you're running is taking you 30 seconds. So you divide it by four and then your training session should be you running 100 metres uh, under 30 seconds. So you run 100 metres. So it's not a flat out sprint. It's a hard 100 metres, but you should be able to recover so the way I would do this for a training session, do this once a week. You can do it – so obviously with these sort of things, if you're already pretty strong, maybe you want to focus more on sprinting or maybe you just want to focus more on sprinting um, or maybe you want to sp- focus more on burpees, I don't know. Um, but if you want to do this – if you're getting better at the other things, it will also make you better sprinter as well. But if um, – go to a track, you can do this once a week, 400 metres uh, – so run 100 metres, walk 100 metres, run 100 metres. All you have to do is be running that faster than your 30-second time. Um, so what you're doing is you're showing your body what that faster speed looks like. So you can there's two, a couple of ways you can progress this is you obviously getting faster over the 100 metres is one of them, um, but then you start to reduce the time. So the next week you might go in and you'd run the same 100-metre time, but this time you walk 50 metres. Um, and then the following week you could either increase the running time or one method that I generally use is that I would do, so the maybe the first, you, you could run 200 metres uh, above your race pace and then rub the subsequent 100 metres uh, uh, rather than running the 200 metres, if that makes sense. So you're just trying to show your body what that faster speed looks like. So you do get your timing and for the next three weeks, possibly you could do it for longer, obviously, but then you retest every every fourth session. So go back, retest and see what your time looks like. You, now there's more advanced versions of this, but if you can, if you haven't done any running or sprinting for a long time, you probably just need some, uh, you need some volume in your legs um, just to build up the conditioning again. So that's why I'm saying the 100 metres shouldn't be a flat-out 100-metre sprint. It should just be above whatever speed you were doing before. Um, and as you get faster, those times will... And then you can start to also reduce the rest times. So when you're doing the training sessions, you want to accumulate about 800 metres. So that would be eight times 100 metres with those rests in between. Um, so just rest... Uh, the advice I would give for the rest is ideally you'd walk... 
an equivalent amount of time, but just rest long enough that you can duplicate, keep duplicating that time. Because what you're trying to do is show your body what that speed looks like. So the only way to get faster is actually to get faster, but you need to show your body what that speed looks like. Um, once you can get to something under a minute um, or around a minute, then you'll be, if you've got those strength standards coming up, you'll be pretty good. Now, the last thing is the burpee test, which is three minutes. So if you don't know what a burpee is, um, uh, Google it. Um, so it's body weight movement. Uh, prisoners use them. They're used quite often in the military, massive in CrossFit. Um, they're a good all-round conditioning tool. Um, they're basically zero equipment. You just need your body. That's why they're quite popular in like um, high-security prisons where they don't have access to things. And you get some people turning into absolute beasts just doing put burpees and burpee variations. Um, so the neophyte level, so you set a timer for three minutes and it's as many burpees as you can get in that time period. So neophytes, anything under 30 reps and under, an initiate is 30 to 40, an adept is 40 to 50, a witch king is 50 reps and over. Um, so I think they're quite, uh, they're, these are all very doable things. So, but if you can't perform a single burpee, like uh, perhaps uh, for, for whatever reason, one thing you can start to do is you could do it with your hands elevated. And what I mean by that is you would find a surface, a secure surface, which is a little bit higher than the ground, which will allow you to do those and then get your numbers from there. And as you get better at them, you'll be able to progress. So... The way you would train these is in some ways slightly similar to the sprints is if you you need to show your body what a faster pace looks like. So, for example, if you only got 30 reps in the three-minute period, which is you're getting 10 uh, a minute, so every minute you're getting 10, so the, what will have likely happened is you would have got a certain amount and then you would have started to gas out and then you would have got you slowed down, obviously, because you're getting fatigued. But the way to do this would be uh, do three sets of one minute with a minute break. And you can do these way more regularly. Um, like unless you're super under condition, which I probably do need to do them more regularly. Um, and just do sets of a minute where you're doing more than 10. So uh, now I'm using that 30 rep example. If you've got, obviously if you're, if you're doing, you know, over 50 reps, which is like, you know, that's pretty good. So if you're, if, which means anything, if you get anywhere like close to 20 reps a minute, that's like really, really good. Um, not many people can sustain that. Um, uh, get it for the first minute, but your, your pace will generally drop off. Um, but all you need to do is divide by three and then just train one minute on, one minute off, uh, three reps. Uh, I wouldn't do much more than that. One thing you could do is if you need a daily thing to do is just do them first thing upon waking. Water, black coffee, do something hard is a really good way to keep, uh, keep you on track. Um, so uh, I hope that makes sense. So yeah, divide by three and then just show, and then every month retest. So with all of these things, I would be retesting my numbers. Um, with the conditioning challenges, I would be retesting every month. The 
things like the overhead press and the chin up and the front squat, you'll see those weights going up anyway. So you'll have an idea of where you are. Um, so this did become a lot more about conditioning um, and it sort of had to be because I needed to unpack those. You could do this. This would not be time consuming to do. I think uh, anyone can hit those Witch King standards if they want to put in the work. It does depend on where you are right now. And obviously I'm talking to men. I'm not talking to women. Like um, wherever you are right now is where you are right now. But I am confident any man can get, unless you've some pathology that obviously I'm not speaking to uh, or some degree of injury, but there would be a modification of those movements. Like uh, there are some movements that just don't suit people, some people, that's fine. If you, for example, if you wanted to substitute for the front squat, a Bulgarian split squat or a back squat, uh, goblet squat or some variation of those, they would all be perfectly acceptable. And if you progress those, again, you'd be amazing. Um, you know, we could look at things like deadlifts and other movements as well. But if you get better at those, you'll build the type of physique that we've been talking about. It will be a natural, symmetrical, athletic-looking physique. Um, but you could do that. Yeah, three workouts, four workouts max. So if I... I mean, I, it, once your strength is up, these things are a lot easier to maintain. Like if you're if you're strong relative to your body weight, particularly at the higher levels, you can start to get away with like two workouts a week. And like, it doesn't mean you shouldn't train, but it means that maybe you want to look at improving other physical characteristics. But once the strength is there and that's the basis for everything else, uh, you'll already look good. It'll, it'll make you more capable at doing other things. You just have to look at what those other things that you might be missing be those things will arise on the way because as you make progress along these things you'll start to become aware of other things in your body as well and this is what i'm talking about we need to reconnect with our uh, I, I feel men really need to connect with their body um and I, possibly i should have said this earlier but there's i think in spiritual circles uh, in occult circles, and this is where I situate myself, I think there's a very real tendency for people to live in their heads um, and you need to live more in your body. Like left to my own devices, you know, that's where I would be. You have to do the physical work because it makes you better at the other stuff as well. I think Peter Carroll says something like along the lines of, um, I'll get it wrong, but it's like, you know, you, you only know what someone's spirituality is by the way they live. Otherwise, what is it? Like, you're just, they're abstract ideas. Um, and I'm about reconnecting vision with something in the world. Wherever you are right now is wherever you are. Um, I would love to see armies of male spiritual occult people at witch king status um that would be that that's my ambition um i think that's better for all and then those people sort of teaching that you will learn a lot about yourself like getting to those points um if you're already pretty familiar with training you might be able to do that on your own if you need help getting to that position if you're completely new or you're intermediate um or you're advanced in some areas but not others um maybe reach out to me because this is like the stuff that I do and 
I can draw a pretty much straight line between where you are now and where you want to be. Like I've said, time does is the one thing that we can't factor in. You can use magic to speed things up and get a stronger vision and inspire yourself, but the work still has to happen. But there is a straight path to that type of physique. Um, the, and it just, just means, yeah, you, you have to do the work. Um, but the work isn't time-consuming. The work's fun and what else are you going to do? Um, if you're if you're already at pretty impressive standards, I would love to hear from you and know about your training as well. Um, please reach out, touch base, um, subscribe, like, share my material if you can. I know this one has like really kicked more into training, but we have to bring these things together. This is really my thing. Um, I hope this has been helpful. For for you um if you i'll put my contact details in the show notes um i would love to hear from you if you need help with anything or if you just want to reach out and have a chat till next time this is chris goodbye